This episode of the But I Heard About It podcast is video game tested, hipster approved. Yeah, that's an understatement. Anyway, <laughs> hey, we're back and stuff happened and we're not going to talk about that. Like we said, hi, we're going to have fun, sort of, I think, maybe. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. We're gonna I fun. love this movie. <laughs> uh, my partner in life, Murph. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I'm on team world. <laughs> Aren't and, we all? <laughs> and I am not hetero, but he is my hetero life mate, Brian. <laughs> He punched the highlights out of her hair. He punched the highlights out of her hair. <laughs> and someone with whom I realized my most recent picture with was six years ago in Burlington, Vermont. Natalie. <laughs> oh, we, we've we've come a long way, baby. But um, next time I'll be deadly serious. N- next time. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had a little bit of a hiatus for reasons that we're not going to get into because this is not the podcast for that. But we are officially back after doing a sort of deep dive on season five of Cobra Kai. Now we're back to our regu- the regularly scheduled episode. And Murph, oh. I believe this was your pick once upon a time. Yes, this is my pick. It is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yay! <laughs> Yay! More Edgar Wright, please. <laughs> Murph, how would you summarize this movie? Uh, this is what I... I uh, came up with right off the dome a dopey ding dong falls for an almost literal (laughs) manic pixie dream girl and to be with her must defeat her seven evil exes yep that's it you got it it. all right i'll talk to y'all in two weeks and uh, that's the movie i never knew it would be this easy (laughs) (laughs) so who who had seen it and who had not besides i had not seen it i think when, when did this come out 2010 i saw this God, I saw this right after I graduated from college. Oh wow! So I think I was still hanging out with a bunch of um, a bunch of buddies from the Pittsburgh area. We went to go see it uh, and... that summer, and yeah, it just it spoke to us. <laughs> and I saw it. I remember seeing it in the summer as I as a teacher. I was on summer vacation, and I went to a matinee. By pretty much, I went by myself, and I think I was one of maybe three or four people watching the movie. So, yep, I I saw it that same summer. I mean, to to say that this movie is made for a niche audience is one of the biggest understatements that I could possibly come up with. Mm-hmm. You either have to be um already kind of well. I mean, there's some intersection. You have to be a fan of Edgar Wright and his work to know what to expect from this. You had to be a fan of independent comics to know what the source material was or you had to be a big um, nostalgic video game player to get what most of the jokes references and visual effects were based on. And that explains why I only watched for Mary Elizabeth Winstead. It alienated. (laughs) You're not alone in this room, Marissa, you know, it alienated a lot of people, (laughs) but you know, when, when, when um, Marvel debuted at Comic Con two years ago with an obscure kind of you know semi A B A slash B list superhero that they were doing a movie behind, you know the film the film executives go to the drawing board and say, well, what's another really popular comic that we could exploit? Scott Pilgrim versus the World is selling very well. Good option it. 
All this right. blew the this blew the roof off of the off of Hall C at San Diego Comic Con. I don't understand <laughs> it either. <laughs> but I'm well, happy it exists. Well, let's get into it. Murph, take us away. Yes, and I I am of the video game nostalgia player variety. <laughs> I mean, I didn't play a lot, but I did. Um, I, I played a lot of Sonic, and I was at least like I've always been someone who reads video game publications and journalism, even if I don't have the means to actually play the video games anyway that's my background because i didn't get to say it but <laughs> speaking of video games after a 16-bit universal <laughs> studios logo yeah and, and right off the bat the video game sounds just set us right up for what's to come honestly i think it sounds great as well in yeah. that kind of rumbly um chiptune sound yes i love it <laughs> We jump right into the film and right into how lame Scott is as he is 22 years old and dating a high schooler. And his rating as it comes on the screen is awesome, <laughs> but I beg to differ. No. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I don't know what scale they're using. I'm going to need more data to <laughs> corroborate on this. But said high schooler is named Knives, which admittedly is a pretty badass name yeah and the two of them haven't had haven't so much as held hands but still creepy yeah uh premise creepy i kind of agree but the editing and presentation is really unique edgar wright is really is going out of his way to make um comic book panels and pages on the screen like all the little captions that pop up are little introductory text boxes that are you'd find in a comic panel to introduce people to who the characters are and so forth. And yeah, all of them had their own little kind of um, joke, uh, joke subtitles. I think at one point uh, we meet Stacy Pilgrim, Scott's teen sister. She's rated T for teen <laughs> among other things. Um, but what, what sold me on this one right away is just the opening joke of the entire scene, which begins once upon a time in the far off land of Toronto, Canada. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going, okay, I'm in for this ride. It's like <laughs> one of the only movies that, is actually set there. <laughs> wow. I mean, they, so, make a they make a joke about it with, with the Lucas Lee fight later on. Like, that's right. How often Toronto plays other, other cities. That's very true. <laughs> oh, Chris Evans. I love it. <laughs> okay. So Knives goes with Scott to his band practice, and he just insists that she sits there and only watches. And he says, promise to be good. Oh, like he he is the worst. We're what two minutes into this, and, <laughs> yeah, and he is the worst. Mm -hmm. We meet Kim, the drummer, who seems like she hates everything. And for the first of many times in this film, I'm gonna go right over to IMDb. <laughs> Holy shit, Kim is Maggie from the newsroom, and I believe also Beth from Little Women. I knew her from Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Yep, one of those low hand flicks. <laughs> Yep. Back in the day. <laughs> um, anyway, so Knives asks the kid on the couch what he plays, and the kid answers with some video game titles. This kid is young Neil. Yeah, which <laughs> isn't even the first video game reference, as we definitely heard some Legend of Zelda sounds going on earlier, and like probably lots of other ones that I don't personally recognize. <laughs> and Kim counts us off into a song and the opening credits, and they are very flashy. And this music <laughs> doesn't place the movie right in the aughts at all, does it? I think their band is called Arctic Modest Jet Monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> but but this shot here, I feel like um, 
even without all the visual effects and the and the extra floating text again reminding us that this is a, a comic book property that moment where the, the scott and the band just start shredding and the camera just pulls back along this mile long living room set is just to me sublime like i don't know who i don't know who his dp is on this movie because i don't know if i want to give edgar all the credit but i don't think there's another director who himself and his team really gets how to use visuals in film as a means to tell jokes and communicate feeling in just a brilliant way and i love this movie for it no, that that's a, so right on because I like I've already we're you know a paragraph into our we're, Google Doc. We're gonna and dog I, the main character and, yeah. a lot because and Scott I, is awful. Yeah, so <laughs> I I've already like given it to him, but I think it really says something about Edgar Wright and his filmmaking that I could think that the protagonist is just a boss level turd, but <laughs> just still love this movie. Absolutely, and there's it's it's more of the characters around him as well that you kind yeah. of fall in love with too. The world building of it all. Because poor, poor, anxious Stephen Stills. Just she, She's not going to geek out or anything. No, I want her to geek. I want her to geek. She geeks. She'll geek. <laughs> so Knives is in a daze when the song ends, presumably because her face just got melted off. Rock on. And Kim's <laughs> is already speaking for me, calling out Scott on being the worst. Quote, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Unquote. <laughs> me. Every Michael Sarah performance ever. <laughs> oh. Hey, he did really good on Celebrity Jeopardy this season. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. Um, I haven't watched Jeopardy in a while. I'm not in that. Do you zone. do you have a do you have a Hulu subscription? Yes. Check it out there. Um, it was a really good uh final. I think it was no, Sarah didn't make it to the final. It was Patton Oswalt, Will Wheaton, and some other dude who I don't know. I could just, I would watch those two just go at it. Yeah. You had me at those they, two. They went at it. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can just like imagine it in my head. Yeah, as Brian mentioned, uh, still now we have various word text boxes popping up and it is straight out of a graphic novel. It looks great. You've seen yep. it attempted many times to really like make oops i touched my springs on my thing anyway <laughs> you've seen it attempted many times but this is the best that i've ever seen personally it's my favorite it's just a simple white text on a black background just giving us the character's name and his stats and mm -hmm. even the breakdown of ownership of everything <laughs> in the apartment and it's yes. all basically wallaces uh, this in, shitty in little yeah. yeah this shitty little two-room concrete bunker of an apartment yeah i i feel like apartment <laughs> is generous for what it, it, it's a bunker it is yeah. it really it's is a bunker. it's yeah. a hole it's a hole in the wall yes literally yes uh next anna kendrick calls scott to also tell him how shitty he is for dating a high schooler <laughs> yes she is right <laughs> i will say there's there's almost a small planting of seeds here with scott and stacy talking where um, Scott very much seems acutely aware of how much he sucks as a human being, but he's he, he's aware also that he can't properly pull himself out of it. I feel like this may be slight foreshadowing for later, or at the very least, an example of Scott cannot bullshit his little sister at all. Yeah, that <laughs> I think it's probably that more but cut to another scene where another friend is telling scott how wrong this is <laughs> yeah and this is gonna be the first of many fargo references so strap in when does kieran culkin do a line of coke and then try to be sneaky <laughs> <laughs> 
he also outright tells Knives that she is too good for him. Okay, uh, dear straight people, most of the time, we'd really like to not immediately have our identity be the <laughs> first thing you introduce us with. I'd rather be your friend, not your gay friend or trans friend. It just yeah. immediately otherizes us. Yeah, mm -hmm. Scott Scott just outright introduces Wallace as my cool gay, my cool gay friend, Wallace. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Fuck you, Scott. So Scott and Knives are now in a mall playing some <laughs> DDR Mortal Kombat mashup, yeah. and then they go shopping for CDs. So the game that the game that they're playing is called Ninja Ninja Revolution, and <laughs> it is wholly something that they made up from the movie. But I gotta say, like, um, apart from it just being kind of a great Pacific Rim style compatibility test between Scott and Knives, I think it looks authentic enough to be a real game in its own right. So props for the prop department here. <laughs> <laughs> and during their gameplay, we just get more of a glimpse of Scott and who he is because he's talking about the origins of Pac-Man and which is fine. That's cool. But he just strikes me as someone who, who likes to hear himself monologue because knives will fawn over just every word. Oh, that is definitely what is happening in this scene. Mm. But I also kind of enjoy it because this is fun trivia and the story he tells is actually true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> but still fuck Scott. So Aubrey Plaza appears and Aubrey Plaza's. <laughs> she does her thing. <laughs> oh, hi, real life, Daria. <laughs> Before Knives geeks out some more to Scott about the band. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, we get a little bit of mention of Scott having a painful past with uh, a popular rock group called the Clash of Demon Head that um, Knives is fangirling over a little bit. Uh, fun fact, this is the band is named for the very first NES game that uh, author Brian Lee O'Malley ever owned. Yeah, and I, I wasn't quite in tune with this yet, but you answered it for me, and I'll let you answer for <laughs> me again. Is the role supposed to be hipster douchebag, or is that just by circumstance? Riss, every role in this film is supposed to be hipster douchebag. <laughs> yeah, it's all the different flavors. It's the Baskin Robbins. <laughs> 31 flavors of hipster douchebag. Scott no, this, this is 32 flavors. We've upped it. <laughs> Uh, Knives tells Scott that she's never kissed a guy, and Scott says he hasn't either. Ah, <laughs> uh, joke. And this was the point where Lyman just interjects that he forgot how much Scott sucks. So oh, he does. Yeah, Thank here we you, are. Lyman. Yep. So he's in the hate Scott club. Oh, so we, uh, we'll, we'll get him a jacket yeah, too. It's a growing fan club. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so Scott has a desert dream free of any indigenous men with their ass out. Oh, God, please tell me Nikki Swango isn't literally a manic pixie dream girl. I, Riss, I saw you write this in the notes, and all I'm going to say is, um, no, I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> no. No. Okay, Scott wakes up, and we find out Wallace's earlier comment about them sharing a bed was not a goof, and that Wallace's boyfriend, Other Scott, is also there. There's Scott and Other Scott, yes. <laughs> I love it. I wish that Scott Scott was Other Scott, because he's the worst. Gay he, Scott's better. These these jokes about like the names, you know, Young Neil, Other Scott, it's like, this is literally how my friends referred to each other in college, because... <laughs> We kept running into people with the same name, so we had to differentiate them somehow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I guess I could totally see that. I guess back in elementary school, especially, like, all of the other girls had my dead name, and we always had to mix it up somehow. So, mm -hmm. 
All right. Where was I? Okay. We are moving at a breakneck pace, but we know who these characters are already. And we already like all of them because they all hate Scott. It seems just like me. Yeah. Team not Scott. Team (laughs) not Scott. Team not Scott. Okay. Wallace reminds Scott of his library date with knives after Scott begins recounting his dream about a girl. (laughs) Other Scott is not interested. And lucky for him, Scott does in fact need to rush out as he is very late. And I'm sure all of us to some degree can relate to that moment of being completely unprepared for direct burning sunlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Opens the door. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Library. Books. And a baseline that picks up when he sees the girl. Mm-hmm. What's the only thing that can distract Riss from books? Mary Elizabeth Winstead with pink hair. I'm so dead. (laughs) Scott has his Dreamweaver moment, continuing to be distracted through band practice and then later at a party. And again, this is just another staple of Edgar Wright and his comedic use of of, uh, the visual language of film. As Stephen just cuts into the library to shout for Scott's attention, suddenly he's at band practice. And then after a moment, he's like, wait, we're, we're doing what now? And then they're walking down the road to, to a party. Just all of these rapid cuts, both for jokes and also to disorient the audience along with his main characters. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. one thing that, you know, it always strikes me now is the casual drop of the R word. Yeah, I da- forgot about dates that. this mm-hmm. film. I, that was one of those little record scratch. Like we look at each other while watching just, OK, I am I am glad we have. We have progressed past this, hopefully, I mean, mostly. Yeah. But yeah, it just it definitely it it brought me kind of back for a second. Like, oh, okay, this this is a little old, but not this shouldn't have been said, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You kind of understand that that character of Kim is one hundred and ten percent done with everyone's shit. But yeah, that's a bit much. Yeah, yeah, yes. Scott talks to some guy. <laughs> His name flashes up. Como. He knows everybody. <laughs> And he finds out (laughs) the girl will be at this party and that her name is Ramona Flowers. And at the party, he hones in on her and leads off with Pac-Man facts. And after getting a less than warm reception, vows to leave her alone forever. God, I wish he would. (laughs) Scott goes around to the party, unlocking more Ramona lore, which smacks of one mean girl scene. I just love this moment as he pops up in front of everybody, pops up in front of young Neil. Dude! Pops up in front of Como, dude. Pops up in front of a couple of girls, lady dudes. Well, I, I personally heard that she paired up with a deaf hitman and crushed a financial empire. <laughs> well, we learned she's from New York, so she's got battle scars, dude. <laughs> Is Ramona single? Is she not? Julie informs Scott that it doesn't matter either way because she's out of his league. Yeah. I already feel sorry for this girlfriend, and I hate somehow this black hole of charisma is going to end up with both of these girls in love with him. Uh, Guess who's drunk? (laughs) It's Wallace. Scott tells drunk Wallace about Ramona being real, which somehow Stacy finds out about instantly. How did she hear about it? From Wallace. Duh. The gossipy bitch works wonders even when he's unconscious. (laughs) It's <laughs> great. I love Wallace. I love him too. Go Wallace. Scott gets a berating call from Stacy immediately that he needs to break up with his fake high school girlfriend and not cheat on her. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wallace is just the best drunk texter of all time. Give him all the awards. Oh, that. no, I disagree. Wallace is the best, period. Okay. I added too many <laughs> words in my sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Ramona allegedly works at Amazon, according to Julie, which I think meant maybe a different thing back at this time. 
I don't know. Given that she's not a asleep and b having to pee into a cup instead of using the bathroom, I have my doubts. Uh, well, Scott cracks the scheme of ordering something from Amazon and then immediately waiting <laughs> at the door. So they're like a poor puppy. It's like that meme that's like package. <laughs> Wallace gives a real perspective on what a dystopia we have fallen into and that it's Saturday and the package will not even ship until Monday. But hark, a knock upon to the door. <laughs> it's knives. Hug attacking Scott. Hey, glob. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ever think that that word would be said on our podcast, but it had happened. I was around when it was invented. <laughs> hey, back in do, not, day. do not quote the deep texts to me, which <laughs> I was around when they were written. <laughs> because he forgot to meet up with Knives again. <laughs> and we get a montage of Scott listening to Knives talk about high school drama. Glad that it took his manic pixie dream girl to realize how many layers of inappropriate this relationship is. And yet he's still there letting high school knives think it's okay. Just half-assing his way through it, yeah. Yeah. Right. And back at the arcade, their game is over and asking for more credits. As the timer ticks down, which, pause, what a specific, like, memory to be brought back (laughs) to. Like, how long has it been since you're like, shit, shit. And, like, even though you have, like, a whole minute you're like fumbling in your pockets like everything is going to end. <laughs> yeah. And the timer ticks down and it's game over on Mortal Kombat DDR <laughs> and game over for Scott and Knives? Question mark or not. Knives is still along and being all geeky and justifiably childish at the band practice. And Scott is just he's such a coward. Just mm-hmm. just break up with her, dude. Just break up with her. But okay, one thing that did get uh, laugh out loud for me was Scott kind of just runs to the bathroom to <laughs> just get away from things and he's peeing and it says pee bar and the pee bar is diminishing <laughs> yes. and, then, and then he's walking out and he washed his hands in a way that I can only describe as the way the preschoolers at my school wash their hands like, like <laughs> quick run under the water they don't dry them off and I'm always like hey did y'all wash your hands <laughs> yeah Miss Natalie I washed my hands it, they are Scott Pilgrim or they're more mature than Scott Pilgrim and they're wow. Yeah. Just a splash of the hands, and he haphazardly smacks two towels in, at once, and says, like, "Yeah, that tracks." And the, one of the things I always laugh at in, in this movie is the running gag of Scott taking someone's coat and then just dropping it on the floor instead of hanging it up. And I had a note here about how you know that Scott does not put his shopping cart back in the stall. Oh, no question. But he, but he fails my test. Yes. But I was wondering when we were talking earlier about how everything in Wallace's apartment was Wallace's. Do you even think that Scott goes shopping? Do you no. think he would no, know? Scott's, no, the, the subtitles do show that Scott's coat is indeed his. Just Wallace's is better. <laughs> <laughs> he has Scott. only gone to the store to buy garlic bread and he doesn't need a cart for that. <laughs> Scott dreams about being in a high school hallway and Ramona roller skating by. I think this is at least the second movie we've reviewed that is more or less the premise of not the girl of my dreams, the girl in my dreams. (laughs) You're right. Yeah, it's a solid joke, at least. Um, My other fun fact about this scene, the the dreamlike uh, Legend of Zelda music that's playing in the background here. That was the single most expensive track licensed for the film. And this is the only time we hear it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I I had to bring this up and because it, it's 
it's not just like the straight song because obviously that song originally came from the N64. It's, it's the, it's so the, the fairy, fairy. It's music, the Great right? Fairy Fountain. Yes. And so when you said there was a song during that, I'm like, it's got to be the Great Fairy Fountain music. And I, <laughs> I went up and it was it was like a different arrangement, but it was definitely in there. And so then, of course, I had to bring it up and show Riss the Great Fairy. Ooh, which one? The Ocarina of Time. Okay. Um, the Breath of the Wild ones are, are kind of cool. Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> wanting to, I, I wanted to show up the original that was the one that I saw, but I will show her the Breath of the Wild ones too, because those are, uh, they're, yeah. they're special. That's Uncle Murph needs a moment. <laughs> what those are. They, they are truly, they are truly big, beautiful women. Yes. <laughs> he, uh, so Scott wakes up or comes to or whatever, because I don't know if he was asleep or whatever. But he then wakes up the next morning to Ramona delivering his package. And Scott is what I think supposed to be endearingly awkward. And (laughs) even though Ramona remembers him and his Pac-Man facts, he somehow convinces her to go in and walk with them. My favorite part of this movie so far is her look of absolute disdain (laughs) for him. I can relate to it. (laughs) Did like such disdain but then she like agrees to it i'm like is there someone is like the narrator off screen like holding a gun to her head like you have to do this or the plot does not go on on this walk they talk and sit on swings in the april snow and ramona admits that this is a date for whatever reason yeah and and scott says he's between jobs and the last one wait was a long story with a lot of size and I'm I'm guessing it was less complicated than that, and he got fired just because he sucks. More than likely, yeah. Yeah. But Scott in this scene kind of shows that he makes a lot of assumptions about people. Like he shows up at the meeting place at least I think five to ten minutes late because he's assuming that Ramona's cool affect means that she's a fashionably late sort of person, and she's promptly on time and waiting for his sorry ass instead. <laughs> but she takes his hand and takes him home. <laughs> Through a star door, Natch. Thanks, Mario. <laughs> and Ramona is a tea person. Okay, I've seen several breakdowns of this, both the, the comic panel and this scene. And apparently, most of most of not all of what she lists in this moment is real tea, and that includes mm. liver disaster. <laughs> liver disaster. Yes, liver disaster is real. Is that I've like checked. a I've quote checked. unquote detox? I don't know what it is. It's just called liver disaster. That's the flavor of the tea. <laughs> My God. Yum. <laughs> I want to look it up. Okay. I'll have to look it up later. Anyway, so Scott <laughs> looks like a wet dog that a groomer gave up on because it was too mean during its appointment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a good one, me. <laughs> Ramona goes to change and Scott walks in on her with bra only, then pants off too. And then they're making out. What? Uh, how? How? <laughs> This has literally never happened to me, and I'm way higher than Scott. Until yeah. Ramona changes her mind, thank God. Finally, the first thing that she's done that I agree with, other than the disdain thing. Yeah, and and I just, like, I have a confession I need to make at this point, because we're all friends. So th- this is also cringe to me, just Scott Pilgrim and all of it. But there was a time in my life that I would have found a Scott Pilgrim <laughs> type of guy attractive and appealing. But let's just thank the not existent god for the ability to change <laughs> and find your former self cringy because oh i 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it hits on some level. It really allowed, does. You're allowed to grow. Yeah. Yeah. Allowed well, to let, grow as a person. Yes. Yeah. I, that, I give. Oh, I'm sorry, Murph. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, if you ever with a Scott Pilgrim, that can be, as Devin puts it, the first pancake that you burn and then move on to a better pancake. Just, just yes. remember the second sword that Scott earns and realize you're a better person because of it. Um. I give Scott uh, some credit as a character in this scene at the very least. He earned some consent points, I think, because mm-hmm. Ramona clearly changes her mind about having sex. She just wants, you know, a warm body in bed that she can cuddle with. And Scott respects her boundaries. Yeah, that's very true. Scott invites Ramona to his band's show tonight and gets her number. And he says, girl number. And I wrote the notes, note the symbols underneath. This is important later. It yeah. will be on the quiz. <laughs> How is someone that's like girl number girl someone number. that can just walk into someone with their with only a bra and then start making out like that none of that tracks. <laughs> I don't believe it. I, and, I have a I have a theory. Um the first of which is that Scott is yes, he is trying to to be endearingly dorky in his own way, but I think also it's because he's clearly he clearly looks harmless and that's we learn later about Ramona and the people that she's been in with the past. That's clearly something she's looking for. Uh, ah, yeah. okay. That that yeah, because he just looks like a lame little loser. So he's a, he he is a <laughs> he is a miniature schnauzer <laughs> <laughs> who got left at the groomer because exactly he was yes. Mean, so. <laughs> <laughs> so Ramona does show up to the show. Nikki Swango shirt says trans rights. Yes. <laughs> Fuck yeah. As well as knives. And her new, <laughs> and her new scene-stir emo girl haircut. <laughs> <laughs> and she glomps onto Scott again and earns him some glares from Ramona. Wallace hams it up from the balcony and gets told to please die from the lead singer of the <laughs> band playing before theirs. At least he said please. I'm pretty sure that first band just wanted to be the Descendants, but realized that that heckler from Happy Gilmore was in the Raptors, so they just quit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this goes. This last song goes out to the guy in the balcony. Keeps yelling at us. It's called "We Hate You." Please die. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is Crash and the Boys, um, the first of many uh, Kunio Kun references scattered throughout this movie. Um, also, I love in this moment, poor, poor neurotic Stephen. Oh my God. <laughs> Just so full of stage fright and ranting to himself that can't be heard over the music until Scott literally bitch slaps him back into form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least when he slapped him, he didn't turn into coins. <laughs> we need to play loud and loud. Okay. <laughs> Stacy talks to Ramona and Knives, presumably trying to make Scott's night awful, which he honestly deserves. Next up is Scott's band, Sex Babam, which is a pretty cool name, I gotta say. <laughs> they take a ride on the garbage truck, and Kim has a girl drummer nemesis. We can only have <laughs> one token non-white dude per assignment. <laughs> Knives is cringe. Yeah, my level of discomfort watching her, I I just wanted to sink into the couch and never it, come back and look it, at anything. It is, that, it is that sort of, like, if Scott were truly... Uh, a person with fewer scruples and less ethics, he would be a groomer. Like yes. oh, he is a groomer. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I guess this is the story of someone who's almost a groomer, but then they realize, "Oops, I shouldn't do that." And we he, will assume that Scott gets better. He, he gets. A, he now, gets. A, he gets a big second chance at, re- at realizing that. Yes. <laughs> but for now, I'm shaming him and anyone that thinks his behavior is okay. <laughs> yeah. 
the performance goes on like normal. With that cute little kid drummer from the previous <laughs> band just death glaring at Kim. She's so cute. <laughs> Love it. Wallace gazes it up and then appears Matt Patel. <laughs> Looking like my chemical romance meets Abercrombie and Fitch mm-hmm. is the best way I could describe his aesthetic. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. And he is here to challenge Scott. What in the absolute green <laughs> Scott Pilgrim fuck am I looking at right now? Oh. Uh, in an answer, uh, Indian hipster pirate boss fight number one. And um, this is where I'll, I'll bring it up later on as well. But you can see Edgar Wright uh, has worked in numerological motifs to every single one of the evil exes that Scott faces. So you can see like um, Matt Patel's jacket only has one chevron on it. Well, only one of his eyes is covered in eyeshadow, things like that. Oh, so yeah, he works it into every single character. It's great. So Scott <laughs> starts off by super kicking him in the face <laughs> and they spar a bit. And then we finally learn who he is. Ramona's first evil ex. God, Jimmy Rave doesn't make the eyeliner work as well as I remember. This doesn't bode well for his AEW run. <laughs> Matt does some Michael Jackson moves and gets heckled by some crowd members. Scott asks why Ramona ever dated him, and she replies that it was in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And and now we're in the gay bar scene from American Wedding. What is going on? <laughs> hey, Anna Kendrick is right there with you, Riss. <laughs> I forgot that there was singing here and <laughs> demon hipster girls. Yes. Same. Yeah, I, a, I completely forgot that part. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a demon symbol. Chicks, tell him, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> and someone gets a symbol to the head. There's rhyming banter, and then Scott defeats Matt, and he drops coins. And then sweet coins, Scott says, as he picks up the most money he's touched in ages. (laughs) So there are two things I love in this moment. Um, I will say that I know enough about the comics to say that this was reversed. Scott Scott and his friends actually beat Matthew with a Bollywood dance routine instead of the other way around. That's the limit of my extent of knowledge about the comics, though. Um, but two tricks I love here. First, I love the the literal Street Fighter call out when he smacks Matt Patel for the last time. That wonderful KO shout. Mm-hmm. And with him turning into coins, here's the River City ransom running joke. Um, and the joke here also with the weakest X that he defeats, he doesn't even drop enough money for the bus fare home. There's <laughs> like two dollars and like twenty cents or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's not enough for the bus. I'll loan you the other 50 cents. Let's get out of here. (laughs) And then Wallace steals Stacy's date. (laughs) Wallace again. (laughs) Just like us gays making out when we're supposed to be straight people accessories. (laughs) And sex babam wins the contest that I forgot was even happening. (laughs) I I mean, it's fair that because I think everyone like in the movie, all the characters forgot it was happening. I mean, how could you remember it was happening when you got whatever that was? It's a blink and you miss it moment, but uh, Crash and the boys get vaporized by one of Matthew's stray Hadoukens. So it's just like, (laughs) okay, I guess these guys win. (laughs) By default. On the bus ride home, Scott asks Ramona what the fuck is going on. She says that he has to defeat her seven evil exes, ex-boyfriends, (laughs) Exes. <laughs> when is the part that she went from absolute disdain to deciding to date him? Has he done literally anything? I mean, I, I'll say again, he it was he was awkward and nice to her, and that's about it. But she's also not looking for much herself either. Right. And they can still make out. So 
I guess that's fine. Absolutely. <laughs> Scott comes home to Seinfeld baseline and Kramer <laughs> pop entrance. With applause and everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Announcing that he got to second base last night. <laughs> More like first and a half. Ha. <laughs> he also demands that Wallace needs to leave to not gay up the place. Um, question. Were you aware that Wallace was gay? No. We, sh- we-, we should really mention it and drive it home a bit. Yeah. Wait a second. Wait, wait. Wallace was gay? Wallace was gay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It was like really subtle. And I know Riss and I get accused of like reading the subtext all the time, but I'm not pretty the, sure this is clear. Not the character played by the younger brother of Macaulay Culkin. Surely you jest. <laughs> <laughs> On the. No, wait. Where are Wallace counters, I think, is where we are. Wallace counters by insisting that Scott needs to break up with knives or that he is telling Ramona. <laughs> and Scott whines, it's hard. And I just want to stomp his dick. He literally does whine. You. But it's hard. <laughs> and on the TV, we see Chris Evans in a payphone booth. Oh my God. Just this this fake this fake movie clip is some of the best 10 seconds of cinema I have ever fucking seen. Mm-hmm. It's Action Doctor, this summer, rated R. Hashtag save us cap. <laughs> and then we cut back to Scott in a payphone talking to Knives and failing yet again at breaking up with her. Uh. And they're back at Sam Goody or whatever this CD store is. And Knives goes from inviting Scott to, to meet her parents. And he's like, are we going to eat some Chinese food? Ugh. Just God. Yeah, yep. and then she drops the L bomb, and oh, this time, this time Scott manages to break up with her. He's such a piece of shit. Yeah. You are an asshole, sir, and I hate you. Did I pick this so that we could all just collectively dump on this character? Yes. 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 yes, we get, yes. yes. <laughs> Boss level turd, Scott Pilgrim. That's it. <laughs> BLT. <laughs> it's the bad kind of BLT. No one wants Dark that. BLT. No one wants that BLT. Not even with Hellman's. No. Well, okay. If there's Hellman's involved, You're there like, might maybe. be. Some, there might be for me. I I try not to be as like the whitest person ever, but I do love me some mayo. Scott is Miracle Whip. That's should, it. Should Scott Bayo have his own mayo? <laughs> Deep cut. (laughs) (laughs) Scott is now home free, even though Knives is shattered. Kim correctly calls Scott scum. Did did Kim just say that Scott was MJF? I think she said Scott was MJF. (laughs) (laughs) And he announces that he will be bringing his new new girl around. Oh, Neil is Brad from Perks. There's a lot of returning by high faces in the same universe here. Mm -hmm. As well as as well as a lot of uh, retroactive recognition from superhero media. Yes. Here she is now, and she has blue hair, and Scott is all like, whoa. And Kim mentions that she dated Scott in high school, and that he's lame. (laughs) Scott proves this point by complaining that Ramona changed her hair color without it making a big deal about it, meaning that she's fickle and impulsive. No shit, dude. She impulsively decided to give you a chance. Don't you dare complain about that aspect of her. And so now he bailed on band practice and his friends. Is there anything redeemable about this character? Uh, No. No, not really. No. Nope. (laughs) Scott learns that bread makes you fat. 
great. Congrats. <laughs> um, then plays Ramona some guitar. Because of course he did. But I mean, at least he made the garlic bread first. I mean, if he's if he ate the garlic bread and then he's wanting to make out with her with garlic bread mouth, and then he's like, in any way, here's Wonderwall. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> you know. Yeah. You know what I. I feel like I have an inner in universe. All movies are the same universe moment here. I think this guy grows up to be that the lead singer from the evil band from School of Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Because I could just hear him going, so here, man, I'm hot sick. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so there's the garlic breaded and then they make out. Yeah. So garlic bread make out sash. Cool. Cool. Gross, gross, gross. Dear Mary Elizabeth, I'm so sorry that you had to make out with Michael Sarah. Sincerely, me. She is married to uh, Ewan McGregor now, so she leveled up. Consummate professional. (laughs) (laughs) Ramona makes a comment about Scott's hair being shaggy, and then he has some sort of trauma reaction, and we learn a little bit more about that ex. Yeah, the the ex is revealed to be uh, Envy Adams, who's the lead singer for the Clash of Demonhead, and apparently she dumped him hard. And we see it; we we hear her her brought up a couple of times before this, and it's enough that Wallace, for all the barometer of bad taste that he is as a character, knows enough that it's not something we bring up around Scott. Mm-hmm. Dude, how do you manage to ruin walks? You have a Mary Elizabeth Winstead paying <laughs> attention to you, my brother in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> His last not creepy ex, though he isn't honest with Ramona about it, as a voiceover informs us. And now at a movie shoot, here's evil ex Lucas, Chris Evans, shooting a scene. (laughs) Lucas Lee! Yeah, and I had totally forgotten that Captain America was in this movie before he became Captain America. And Mm -hmm. then, like, was this before or after Not Another Teen movie? Like... (laughs) That was in 2001, so oh. well after. Oh, okay. it's my, well my after... timeline is really bad. Okay, I, I think he was still in his like early to mid 20s though, because he he describes himself as like this fresh faced kid going to the reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, again, uh, the attention to visual coding. So Lucas Lee is X number two. Um, you can see uh, the the easy two worked into his costume at a couple of top points. His symbol for his skateboard company it's it's two L's back to back. And also, I believe it is a um, Southeast Asian symbol that means the number two. Mm, that's cool. <laughs> he he calls out Scott and Lucas has a stunt double who he utilizes to go get high in his trailer. <laughs> Not just a stunt double, a whole stunt team. And another fun fact, mostly made up of Chris's actual stunt doubles. Oh, <laughs> meta. That's very cool. Chris Evans just became my new favorite person, not named Mary Elizabeth Winstead, even if he is talking like Jim Carrey doing a Clint Eastwood impression. (laughs) Oh, no. It's like everybody is having way too much fun doing this movie. And Chris Evans is absolutely no fucking exception. And boy, does it show in the (laughs) best of ways. I love this character. Yeah, they like totally took the lid off of the ham container. It's just, just going uppercut, everywhere. Just uppercuts him out of frame. Sup? How's life? He seems nice. <laughs> <laughs> so Scott goes up not only against Lucas, but all of those stunt doubles, and he clears house. I don't believe this dude could win a fight against his own garlic bread. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it's just him and Lucas. And after a running start, Lucas delivers a mega kick to Scott. 
After a nice fake out with a sucker punch, Scott challenges Lucas to a skateboard <laughs> challenge. And I love how the incentive is, there are girls watching. <laughs> Someone bring me my board. <laughs> hey, big fan. Why wouldn't you be? <laughs> Chris Evans hams it up and does a nasty grind down a rail. So nasty, he just explodes at the bottom. Yep. <laughs> Boom. Two X's down. 2,000 points. <laughs> <laughs> Scott whines some more about the X's. Wallace points out that Ramona warned him the seven X's that she wrote about on the card with her number on it. The phone rings, and rather than Ramona, it's Envy, Scott's ex, played by Brie Larson, who I also hey, like. Captain Marvel's in this movie, too! Mm-hmm. <laughs> Knives shows up, and... Scott <laughs> literally jumps out the window to avoid her. Oh my god. Oh. This gag every time makes me laugh my ass off when knives comes to the door is scott home uh you know what crash he just left <laughs> yeah and if i took a drink every time scott was the worst i would be dead yeah yeah making his way down a snowy alley he's accosted by harley quinn yay roxy richter um character played by may whitman uh, I know her, and any uh, cartoon fans might know her as either the voice of Katara from Avatar The Last Airbender, or as the voice of Amity from Owl House, where she is one of my favorite characters ever. Uh, I know her as... Damn it, Kat! Oh my god. Charlie! They had to make... Like, Charlie had to make an appearance. <laughs> Seriously, though, if you haven't seen Owl House yet, you should, because Amity is wonderful. Anyway, I know Mae Whitman from Arrested Development. Oh, okay. And I know and, her from Perks of Being a Wallflower, where she I, was yeah. named, strangely enough, Mary Elizabeth. <laughs> was it? Hang on. Wasn't Sarah in Arrested Development, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. All right, Every, cool. Yeah, it's all connected. <laughs> yeah, Nope. Uh oh, did Charlie kill the microphone? He a lot all at Ooh, one time. Charlie. And I hurt my wrist again trying to oh, just. Oh no! Oh. Like it's already in a brace and oh, he got no. all tangled up in the cords and made a mess. Buddy. And this, he, I was home all day. I was literally home all day, and he was literally in my lap all day while I was working. So I don't know why he's being like this. Because he is like this. <laughs> my neighbor literally asked me the other day if my cat is in heat because of how loud he just screams all the time when I'm not here. Oh, Charlie. <sighs> okay. So May, or Roxy, is going to kill Scott, <laughs> obviously. A boob punch will do that. So. Mm -hmm. And she vanishes into a puff of smoke after threatening him. Yeah, now I can just think that the fact that she was a hipster douchebag in Perks of Being a Wallflower was even more appropriate than it already was. <laughs> <laughs> Scott calls Stacy in a panic, saying that he's coming to the cafe that she works at. And when he gets there, it's actually Julie. And she admonishes him for asking Ramona out at all. <laughs> when, he gets, when he gets there, he's literally calling her from the payphone outside less than 10 feet away. And when he gets there, someone else. Mm -hmm. Love it. And Julie just speaks <laughs> for everyone here. And a really fun visual gag here with the sensor bars. <laughs> to the point that Scott even notices, how are you doing that with your mouth? Never <laughs> fucking mind. <laughs> 
Ramona appears now and apologizes for the exes, saying that she knows that she's not easy to be around. Scott swears it's okay, and then Envy appears behind Ramona. She says she's <laughs> jealous and mentions Scott's hair is getting shaggy. You're jealous? Why, though? <laughs> what is this appeal he seems to have despite having no redeeming qualities whatsoever? Yeah, he has no appeal at all. I mean, other than being the best fighter in the province, which admittedly has limited applications. Julie calls him fuck pilgrim. <laughs> Cappuccino for fuck pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> Wallace and the other two boys of his thruple sit up in bed to ask Scott why he didn't sleep with Ramona. He didn't bang her. What are you, gay? A line totally written by gay people. <laughs> yeah, that's totally something we would say. They were all so realistic about knives. Why aren't they being realistic on how Ramona is way out of his league? I think it's because Ramona herself knows it too, but she still also seems to want Scott around. Mm, fair. Knives is pissed about Scott dating someone else. She didn't even know that there was good music until a couple months ago. <laughs> You're a child. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is. Knives does what an insane person does in the time of stress like that, coloring her hair. Okay, so you're talking shit on Nikki Swango. You lost all sympathy I ever had for you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and the friend is mentioning that Knives said Ramona was fat. And I'm just like, fuck you, Knives. But sorry, is that too harsh? I'm talking to a child. But yeah, this, eh, this, I, I just not not a fan. This fat butt white girl that he likes because she's so old. She's probably 25. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's certainly a child's understanding of things at that, yes. Yeah, it's very child in many ways. Cut to Sex Bob-omb opening for Envy's band, and Ramona is asked if they sucked, and she doesn't say no. Oh, God. Kim, again, is another excellent source of snark in this scene, because uh, Envy invited Sex Bob-omb to perform at their secret show. And uh, yes, why don't we have secret shows? Kim says all of our shows are secret shows. <laughs> <laughs> Knives confronts Ramona in the bathroom, and I am impressed with how blue she got her hair with how black her hair is. Knives is with the guy from the couch at band practices definitely not <laughs> trying to get Scott's attention. Oh, why do all Neil. these yeah, why do all these girls want Scott so bad? Uh. So is this the era of like MySpace emo fuckboys? Was Scott the embodiment of this? Because I've been I've been wondering this. Maybe I'm also trying to do some soul searching here <clears throat> for myself. I, I did read some alternate theories, like alternate interpretations from fans. And I think what it really comes down to is uh, two words that literally get weaponized at the end of the movie, self-respect. And every single one of these characters, to some degree, is lacking it. Envy's band is up now, and there are glares being shot all around, and Ramona is wondering what the fuck's <laughs> happening. I love this moment as well. This great rhythmic buildup. Um, Scott points to the basses. See him? That's Todd. Ramona goes, I know. You know? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> After the show, everyone is sitting around. And then we get needless violence against a child. Cool. <laughs> yep. This is where we get the immortal line from young Neil going for his Oscar. He punched the highlights out of her hair. <laughs> this is um, this is Todd Ingram, Evil X number three, played by Brandon Routh. Superman's in the movie. <laughs> um, so okay, I, I actually want to look this up just to make sure I got, I got most of them. So, X number three, the Clash of Demon Head has three members. He wears the number three on his T-shirt. He's got three stripes on each sleeve and three stripes on each wristband. Um, there's a no noticeable threes on the wall of the dressing room. 
Uh, he, gets, he eventually throws Scott through three walls. The words base battle flash three times on the screen. They go through three different base chords during the base battle. So yeah, oh, it's wow. everywhere. It's all over. Wow. The place. Just attention to fucking detail. Yes, that's very cool. Like I kind of want to watch this again and keep an eye <laughs> out for all of that. I recommend watching this again and listening to the the cast commentary because this is just the biggest group of college friends you have ever heard. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's even more from what? There's even more from this movie that I don't remember. Because he punched a kid, basically. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we wrote this a while ago. <laughs> yeah, we did write it uh, a long I think, time yeah, ago. I think we did just block parts of this movie out. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to step on you, Natalie. <laughs> yeah, no, because it, it's true. I There are things that I just didn't remember. I mean, I did not re- I did not remember not just getting the highlights punched out of her hair. So, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Todd is a vegan and he's a good person. No, he's just better than Scott. <laughs> Even though he just punched a kid. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> there's, there's some great moments that show off just how stupid Todd Ingram is. Like, you know, what? I don't care. I'm a rock star. You're incorrigible. I don't know the meaning of the word. And the subtitle pops up. He really doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and being vegan also gives you Jedi choking powers. Also, no stereotyping going on here whatsoever. <laughs> nope, that's part of the joke. <laughs> <laughs> if I peed my pants, would you pretend they're wet from the rain? Ramona divulges that she left Lucas for Todd and that he punched a hole in the moon for her. Yes. <laughs> This this is such a weird inverse of all other guys are assholes, especially the ones you used to be intimate with, that just permeates through so many movies that are romantic comedies, more or less, because it's totally not about insecurity. Not not at all. I, after I saw this in the notes, I just wrote, Riss, you just got it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you got the thesis of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ramona confesses that she used to be a bitch. Yeah, she's dabbled in being a bitch, so she moved to Canada. <laughs> and Envy is talking in a Barbie voice, and Scott gets punched through a wall, and from the cavernous Kool-Aid man-shaped hole tunnel comes the first volley in a base battle. Ooh, sounds like somebody wants to get funky. Wanna wanna have a base base off <laughs> nicholas cage just jumps through the kool-aid manhole but backs away slowly realizing oh, but, he's in the wrong movie or oh, the right no movie. i i groove on this fight <laughs> it's very good scott fools lucas into drinking half and half and the vegan police appear to take his powers away is that thomas jane yes it coming is in? <laughs> mickey mantle the punisher is in this movie oh and it's another thing uh three strikes for the vegan police Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm just annoyed and I'm probably finding things that I'm annoyed about, but tricking vegans into consuming non-vegan things is so hysterical. I mean, when it's a vegan with force powers, who's trying to kick your ass. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, extenuating circumstances. Sure. It's video game (laughs) rules. It makes complete sense in a video game. Scott didn't have to headbutt him into an explosion that Derry would have done that to him within an hour. <laughs> but it's still a nice payoff and 3,000 point bonus to his score. Yes. Scott apologizes to Envy about destroying her boyfriend and calls her Natalie. He used my first name. He's so magical. He really knows me. <laughs> have you 
Have you ever dated someone that wasn't a total ass? He says as if he wasn't a continuation of the pattern. Which, to the movie's credit, Ramona does call him out on it. That's true. Yeah, right in this scene, too. This lovely discussion of Scott whining some more is interrupted by Roxy, the reason that Scott has been corrected any time that he's referred to ex-boyfriends. Okay, so uh, I want to say that I I dig the moment in this scene where the characters are framed in the flying shards of broken glass. And for a moment, it looks like it's a character select screen from a Street Fighter game. Yes. But I only mentioned one thing about Roxy's number. So here are all the, here are the references to Roxy's number being four. Uh, the club is simply called four. Uh, all the, the, the light fixtures of the club are four bulb light fixtures. Uh, instead of being called R-O-X-I-E, like the books, her name was changed to Roxy to have four letters. The fight is with, is in four parts. Uh, the first time in the snow versus Ramona versus Ramona and Scott and finally versus Scott. The two girls are slash were bisexual, which is which is read in the notes as two by two. She's got four tears in her lace tights and the floor disco ball and Roxy's weapons are all composed of squares. Mm. And then we have an uncomfortable exchange of Ramona trying to excuse her relationship with Roxy. It was just a phase. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, this this is why Roxy's pissed. And yeah, and Scott's response of a sexy phase, it just, again, is one of those things that sticks out and feels so just dated and of that time when movies would find these plot lines. And, you know, like there was that era where they just make women kiss just for the male gaze, very American Pie-esque. So I, don't, I, I know that this wasn't that, but it, I don't know. You bring that up, Natalie, and I, I admittedly, my my mind doesn't first go to American Pie; it goes to American Psycho. Oh, that another American. <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. You, why don't you lick chastity up the asshole? I just took a drink of something and almost spit it out. <laughs> oh, I apologize. I didn't. <laughs> I apologize for nothing. No, really, I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have seen that coming, but. <laughs> But, but also, also heter- heteronormativity is so prevalent, it took her correcting his gender terms <laughs> about 12 times before he finally got it. And hey, yeah. a transphobic joke thrown in. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't make it out of a movie without one. But I do like the by furious line. <laughs> Scott is really not worth any of this. No. But you know what the ultimate question is? Is Ramona? Oh. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, but I guess Riss would take her, so I don't probably really have that as an option anyway. <laughs> Love that he got slammed into the rafters so hard that they bent. <laughs> Scott defeats Roxy after Ramona helps him physically and verbally, <laughs> and Scott starts slamming drinks, and Ramona realizes that they don't know each other. No shit. First of all, he manages to somehow become an even bigger asshole. Second of all, I'm in love with the character of Nikki Swango, not the actress. Therefore, the hit woman turned vengeance from God angel who uses bridge logic to take down a financial empire. That's my ship, not necessarily the actress. It's just every time I see her, she reminds me of Nikki Swango. So it all works out. (laughs) I see her. I just think of Helena Bertinelli. I love me some Huntress. 
I don't know this reference. Okay. No, I don't either. <laughs> that's, that's fire. That's fair. <laughs> that she's all mine. She's all mine. <laughs> we all get to claim our independent versions of Mary Elizabeth Winstead. <laughs> You'll have to choose yours, Natalie. So... <laughs> I know. I need to. I need to see the Fargo version because I haven't seen that season. Yeah, she she literally is like a a competitor in bridge. She's like one of the best around at playing bridge, and she uses the logic of bridge to take down someone who's like literally taken over an entire company and embezzled like millions of dollars out of it. It's so good. (laughs) I'm I'm sold. I will watch this. (laughs) Yes. I'm being reminded of how much I like the style of this movie, but don't really root for any of the characters. Yes, this is it's an achievement in filmmaking to like it this much <laughs> while while yeah, not really getting behind many of them or any of them. Mm-hmm. Ramona gives Scott now a list of all for exes and then leaves. And says, you're just another evil mm. ex waiting to happen. <laughs> okay, Ramona, stay away forever. Find another star door go off to another country i don't know bye i have a i have another thing to chime in here about uh the number motifs so scott mm-hmm. actually has one himself scott's number in this movie is zero. Oh, and, yeah it's referenced with him uh constantly ordering coke zeros i think at mm-hmm. one point he has a, a shirt with like the the skull the zero skull on it mm-hmm. a couple mm-hmm. of times and after this scene where he's, he's getting jazzed up for the um the katianagi twins um, he has a Fantastic Four shirt with a, a one half stenciled into it. And Edgar Wright in an interview says that one half is him halfway stepping into the role of an evil ex. Oh, I, I, I need to watch it again. Now, <laughs> now that you're giving all this, all like, this I mean, other it, info, I, I need to watch it again. It's it's one of those weird things where it's like, yeah, the, the movie is the characters are are crap. The story only clicks to a certain number of people. But I still feel like you could teach a class with this movie of how to incorporate all of your characters motifs in a way that doesn't intrude and continues to constantly inform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, it, this is it just adds another layer of it's, sca- just... it's a scavenger hunt movie. Yeah. <laughs> How many references can you find? <laughs> and if you look in your notes, Aris well, has I, put in a picture I, of Nikki Swango. Yes, okay. I, I she, get it. she looks pretty badass here. I I, I love I get this it. look. I I want to watch this. Now just give her a sawed-off shotgun and you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Scott doesn't see Ramona again until a gig a few days later, and her hair is now green. How dare you speak to another person when I was such a douchebag to you 30 seconds ago, you whore. (laughs) (laughs) So this is setting up their encounter with the Katyanagi twins on Ramona's list. Number five and number six are here in this uh, amp versus amp um, battle of the uh, part of the battle of the bands. And I love Kim so fucking much when they go to the venue, that poster needs more exclamation marks. (laughs) (laughs) It sure does. There's stages facing each other, which of course means a music battle. Synth versus rock. Why can't we all just get along, though, is what I'm saying. And he plays bass with a pick. That explains a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that... So did Todd. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's true. I never played bass with a pick, but I guess... I never played bass, so... (laughs) (laughs) The synth twins produce two dragons, and Sex Baba makes an abominable snow guy. <laughs> this giant, like green-eyed yeti. Mm-hmm. And um, here's another blink and you'll miss it moment. 
the pedal that Scott hits to, that summons the beast is actually labeled GEM for Green Eyed Monster. Mm. Oh. <laughs> and then Envy. the ooh, <laughs> okay, and then the dragons get taken down. So my children did not watch this movie with me, but this battle scene would probably have been Zeke's absolute favorite part. And we talked about this a little before the show, but maybe when they're older, I'll just use this film to show them how not to be as dudes when they grow up. Oh, yeah. Oof. Oh, no, no. Yeah, there are walking bad examples. And <laughs> yes. This goes by, this scene goes by quick, uh, mostly because the actors who are playing the Kadianagis didn't speak any English. Um, but continuing with the numerological motifs with, uh, with the twins here. So first off the, the rays on their shirt, one of them has five, one of them has six. Um, they turn the dial on the music up to 11. Uh, mm. the numbers are in Japanese, but it's 11. Uh, the first two notes that they play on the keyboard, God, someone went to a lot of depth for this. The first two notes they play on their keyboard are an E, which is the fifth after a, and a B flat, which is a tritone or six half steps above mm. E. Oh and additionally, God. with their name, with their last name, uh, starting with K, K is the eleventh letter of the alphabet. Mm. Jeez. <laughs> um, there's a fun moment here. I I don't know if this was a reference, but I caught this and I couldn't escape this when I realized what had happened. Um, so. Uh, the score that Scott gets for defeating five and six at the same time, it starts at 5,000 and it counts up to 6,000. And then Scott gets a one up. I don't know if this was intended or if this is just a, like uh, either for plot purposes or just a video game in jet Oak, but Pac-Man championship edition, the official tournament rules say an extra life is awarded every 20,000 points. And by this count, Scott earns 21,000. Yes, I did the math. <laughs> oh, I mean, that would track. That's like, <laughs> What he goes to the ladies with is his Pac-Man. So I don't, yep. I don't know if that was intended or if that's just something I picked up on. Either way, it's my new favorite thing in the world. <laughs> I'm calling it canon. I <laughs> I accept that. Scott jumps off the stage and runs into knives. Cringe. He gets outside <laughs> and finds Ramona and tells him that and Ramona tells him that he's in lesbians with her. No, <laughs> it's the wrong L word, Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scott says that to her. And Ramona informs Scott that they need to break up and that she's going back to Gideon. Wow. Three of the four Fargo seasons are represented here. The evil yep. end level, the evil, the end level <laughs> evil boss is Josto Fada. <laughs> Jason Schwartzman, who's taking a rare break from hanging out with Wes Anderson, is here. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it must have been in his non-West hours. <laughs> Gideon appears and says he's signing the Sex Bob-Omps to a three-album deal. They sign the contract. Ramona gets into Gideon's limbo, and then they pull off after Gideon says that he set up the League of Evil Exes. And all of it just to keep Ramona under his thumb. I mean, the whole the whole setup of the film, I mean... It, it seems to me that with, with Scott's eventual turnaround, the whole setup of the film seems to be a lesson in how not to treat women like objects or prizes. And I think Gideon represents the worst of that mindset. Um, I'll have more to say, I think, uh, when it comes to the, the final thoughts. But we do see Scott failing at grasping this lesson until the very end. <laughs> right. Scott bonks his head against the telephone pole until he's sitting on swings with Stacy. 
she comforts him and says that next time don't date someone with so many evil exes <laughs> how about he just doesn't date and gets eaten by a lion instead <laughs> back home well not scott's home anymore as wallace is kicking him out because he needs the bed for sex it's probably just because he's better than you. Great and accurate line. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> the phone rings and it's Gideon. Scott spills hot cocoa on his crotch, which is great. Yeah. Wallace listens in on the phone call and gives Scott the green light to finish him. Just, just Gideon being the smarmiest of hipster bastards. And you just, yeah. Cue the Edgar Wright staple now, which is the rapid cut suiting up lock and load montage Again, with the best joke ever, as we sit and watch Scott slowly and painstakingly tie his shoes. <laughs> I love these gags so much. If this if this movie immediately shifted into a car chase with Hocus Pocus playing, I'd be all in. <laughs> <laughs> the passwords are whatever and uh, <laughs> respectively to the club where Gideon has Ramona, the chaos theater. Some Level seven. <laughs> yes. Chaos like the seven chaos emeralds um i think i can't remember if the chaos theater is a reference to another video game let me have this. have it hey, you'll have it's it. yours you have it thank you <laughs> this, is shame, gets... this is a shame that no one goes supersonic that's very true some more coke zero plugs which yep. now has been explained wow. <laughs> it, it makes sense yep. yes <laughs> oh. although i mean with some of the other things that we've seen plugged randomly in movies before, I wasn't questioning it. But this one actually makes sense. And yeah. Coke Zero is still around. It's it's so. everything is everything getting plugged in addition to like a lot of the storefronts and venues they go to, which is just asserting how obsessively Canadian this movie's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Scott declares that he has a beef. I don't need to repeat my line. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and she literally chose someone else, bro. This is multiple levels of not okay. I mean, Ramona seems to not have a say in this. Yeah. Guess that's what happens when you're literally a prize to be won. Yep. Yeah. And she's now just sitting on top of a metal pyramid with Gideon looking like she's wearing a collar. So that's weird. Yeah, she's like manic pixie fembot now. <laughs> she's she's literally Gideon's prize and truly has no say in the matter. And like we see this later in the scene where Scott's kind of reminiscing in his desert headspace in the mm -hmm. afterlife. She literally reveals he's got a mind control chip plugged into the back of her neck. Mm, yep. um, there's a fun gag actually about that in the Katyanagi concert where we see uh, Gideon and like there's a gleam of light that flashes over his ring. It's the exact sound effect played in Flash Gordon when Ming the Merciless is using his mind control ray. Mm. All right. All right. Subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everything with these characters is weird, but the fight <laughs> scenes are cool and I love the effects and the like the way this guy turns into coins is so satisfying. <laughs> oh, no, it's it's so fun. And I agree with all of that and a testament to the film that it could be so enjoyable to watch when the main character sucks as bad. I mean, Scott is the <laughs> suck cut of humans. It sure does suck. It's also everything is Wayne's world. So it's, it. <laughs> well, it's also really Garth Marenghi in this moment, but in a fun way, because Scott admits he's in love with Ramona and he's awarded a literal <laughs> flaming sword that represents that fact. <laughs> I, I have to dispute... the power of love. I have to dispute that you had to indicate that Garth Marenghi would be a fun 
then because Garth Marenghi is awesome. <laughs> I just mean like the. I just mean like. Oh, I know. Just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, okay. Shit. Okay. Fine. I deserve it. <laughs> okay. Well, Knives shows up and is here to fight Ramona for breaking the heart that broke hers. This is all very weird. And Knives is accusing Ramona of stealing Scott, which of course she didn't because she didn't know. Scott does say this, but then also reveals that he cheated technically and he didn't break up with Knives before. Yeah, you were a tremendously dishonest asshole and yet you somehow kept getting affection and devotion from both of them. (laughs) They're literally fighting over him. So PSA to all the ladies out there, you can can do better than a Scott Scott Pilgrim in your life. I would argue that Knives is fighting over him. Ramona's just trying to defend her life. Okay, (laughs) fair. There. but but still my my psa still stands you can do oh, yeah. than scott pilgrim yeah and maybe instead of fighting with the girl that you kiss the girl <laughs> is what i'm saying you should do the best part happens scott dies yes, stabbed, <laughs> stabbed in the back dream ramona appears and starts talking about her relationship with gideon culminating in her revealing that she has a chip in her head and that gideon is controlling her Wow, she seriously didn't make any decisions for herself and said she got that thing from Kingsman in her neck. That's pretty much the case. Yeah, I I guess she either evaded his control the first time and like the chip is there to make sure she doesn't run away again. It's implied in a number of ways that she it got so bad to her that she had to run to another country for cover. And it's implied even that because G-Man is sponsoring the Battle of the Bands that setting it up in addition to the League of Exes is just an excuse for him to go to Toronto and, and go after her. Mm. It's like, this is this is multiple levels of um, revealing just how abusive a boyfriend Gideon really is. Mm-hmm. Scott plays through this quote-unquote level again, <laughs> this time saying that he's fighting not for Ramona, but for himself. And this bare level of some emotional maturity earns him a sword of self-respect coming out of his chest. I don't I don't know if it's necessarily just that, because we see Scott at the very least start to embody what it means having more respect for himself, which starts with admitting that he's been a load on a lot of his friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it comes across quick when he talks to Steve and says, like, like, young Neil, you guys sound much better without me in the group. Um, you know, Neil, you you. <laughs> you're no longer young neil you shall simply be known as neil and he actually starts making the beginnings to apologizing to kim for how shit he was yes um and she appreciates it which is nice and so yeah that that part of it's like yeah you want to you want to fight me for her no i want to fight you for me and scott earns the power of self-respect and if you compare stats directly it is indeed much stronger all right (laughs) Well, there you go. I guess good for him. He he takes the chip out of Ramona and then is the one to confess his cheating. And he gets an affirmative when he asks if they're all good. Yeah, again, again, moving very fast for the sake of a joke, but still. Yes, 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 yes. He admits his faults. Yes. Gideon spouts an untruth about gum digestion. (laughs) And then we enter into the last bout of the battle. Two player mode. All right, so here's everything with Gideon. Um, Again, his number, obviously, number seven. Gideon Graves, G, the seventh letter of the alphabet. The Chaos Theater is introduced on screen as level seven. Um, The second run scene, when Scott uses his extra life and goes back through it, a lot of the bonus points and multipliers use the number seven. Like, I think basically killing a mook is about 700 points. Um, Gideon mentions that his swallowed gum will be in a system for seven years. He activates a seven times multiplier when he summons his Digi Katana. 
which gets seven uh, seven times bonuses to all of his listed stats. Mm. Um, that said, also, another important video game trope here, you never beat the final boss just once. Yeah, oh. that's very true. <laughs> At least, like, game games. I, I give two big props for this film's existence, mostly from this moment. Um, first, I have to say Jason Schwartzman's uh, Digitana looks rad as hell. <laughs> yes, like, with the faux pixelation of the, yeah. di- of the visual effect, um, and I absolutely love that he summons it with like Naruto style ninja mudra. <laughs> <laughs> and two, tell me another movie where you will see Michael Sarah in a katana sword fight with Jason Schwartzman. I ask you, <laughs> another no. another one does not exist, and the world is so. poorer for it. <laughs> yeah, w- Wes Anderson is not going to do that in his next movie. So. <laughs> maybe he will. Maybe or maybe he, he will. Maybe someone. maybe he's going to find this broadcast, and mm-hmm. that's a challenge, Wes Anderson. Only the banter is going to be kind of like this, and a little bit more emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Scott's sword gets shattered, and Ramona says, "Let's both be girls," and kicks him in the nuts. <laughs> Let's both be girls, right? That's how it works. God, even you had a line so bad it made me angry. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel as bad when she fell down the stairs after that. Oh, uh, every and everything in this moment is very pro wrestling here with the the return of the Ninja Ninja Revolution announcer yelling bad at every single one of Gideon's actions. <laughs> um, the hyper speed ass kicking he eventually gets from Scott and Knives together is just so wonderfully satisfying. Yes. And Gideon cuts a promo about his wasted two hours to put together the League of Exes, hamming it up right before he gets his head kicked into coins. All right. The first time he goes down, it's a bonus of 7,000 points. Level clear, 7 billion. (laughs) Yes. Presumably in Canadian dollars, too. So is that like... I'm trying to think of how much american dollars that would be it's a lot of coke zeros for scott (laughs) it's so many coke zeros normal zeros and coke zeros (laughs) and um coins that the band starts desperately gathering up because their producer is no longer a thing well sort of and somehow he was able to send nega scott who (laughs) ends up being sent off after some hanging out so there's there's two jokes about this. Uh, the first is that, yes, Scott Pilgrim, as we know him, is a terrible person. So naturally, his opposite self is a really great guy. <laughs> but also yes. going back to the number motifs, Scott's number is zero. Negative zero is still zero. Hmm. Ah, uh, okay. And Murph, I do have an answer to your question. So seven billion at, at our current exchange rate is about five point two five billion U.S. dollars. All right. Pretty stacked. That's a lot. Of, that is a lot of cokes. <laughs> there yeah. goes our deal. That's, <laughs> That's almost as much coke as the guy who played Terry Silver did in the third Karate Kid movie. So. <laughs> Man, think about how much coke we could get with all this coke. <laughs> uh, Scott, yeah, I guess you can just go date yourself. <laughs> go have brunch with yourself forever. And go fuck yourself. <laughs> so leave all these girls alone. Ramona just says that she's going to disappear and Scott was the nicest guy she's ever dated. Low fucking bar. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. agrees. <laughs> and he he says that it's pretty sad. So he agrees and- with all of us in the end. 
And and during during this, Lyman was in the kitchen cutting pineapple and stopped what he was doing just to make a gagging sound when Ramona said Scott was the nicest. Like just no, no. <laughs> I'm, glad you, I'm glad you said he stopped as opposed to doing something terrible with him to himself with that knife. No, no, just just had to had to pause the pineapple cutting because it was just so atrocious. <laughs> so knives encourages him to go after her while she's leaving. <laughs> no. Leave them all alone. Of course, get, that's, how, that's how people act. <laughs> knives, hey, Knives gets the power of self-respect here, too. Yes, she does. And that's good for her. But Scott should still just leave everyone alone and go live in a hole. <laughs> they're going to go. They're going to try again, though. Barf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take hands and fuck off into that door. Bye. Continue. <laughs> yeah. Now, if I had to give a ham to anybody, <laughs> I would give it to the editor. But since it's usually just for the cast, <coughs> Jason Schwartzman somehow manages to give an even less subtle performance than he did as a little mob boss in Fargo season four. So oh. I got to give it to him. And I'm going to I'm going to give a, a vote his way, too, though. It was really hard to decide this one. I, I can't decide uh, between any of the evil exes. This was a wonderful excuse for all of these actors to just come in and deliver the single biggest scene-chewing performance of their lives, and you could tell they loved every single second of it. Yes. I am going to mention a non-ex <clears throat> saying Wallace, because oh, I feel like yeah. we have to mention him <laughs> in this. The gentleman this snark. This yes. movie is like, you get a ham, and you get a ham, and <laughs> everyone gets hams. That's yeah, I, I was just watching the birdcage again yesterday, and that seems <laughs> relevant to this conversation. So. <laughs> Damn, this movie, around. this movie gets so many hams; it's not welcome in any kosher deli. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sweetie, you're wasting your gum. Though <laughs> so to wrap up, this movie looks really awesome, and I think the concept is interesting. It's definitely unique and not like anything I've ever seen before. It reminds me a lot of Kingsman, minus the whole main character is likable, redeemable, and interesting part. I imagine that the makers of the first Kingsman movie maybe drew some visual influence from this movie, because the fight scenes seemed pretty similar. The cast is magnificent. <sighs> it's just a shame they have to perform these dog shit characters in story. <laughs> Holy shit, this is the same tired tropes with some bomb-ass window dressing. The, the main character's fucking terrible, does nothing to earn anyone's respect or love, and at the end is like, we cool? Yeah, we cool. Anyway, why let an unlikable douchebag who wins the Manic Pixie Dream Girl as a literal prize at the end get away get in the way of a good crusade? I get it. <laughs> You're welcome, Brian. I did that just for you. <laughs> I'd have enjoyed it more if I watched it on mute. I think I liked it better when I didn't know what was going on. Instead, this just came off as 500 Days of Summer, but with video games to me. I do appreciate its unique cinematography and excellent cast top to bottom except for Michael Sarah, but the story <laughs> and the main character do not get a pass from me. I, I tried. I tried really hard. I promise. <laughs> yeah, this, this movie is admittedly something of a modern cult classic and that niche appeal I talked about was there for right from the beginning. You've got the combination of the extremely Canadian setting, the constant jokes and caricatures about hipster rock culture in Turn of the Millennium Toronto, and all of the constant references to Nintendo-era side-scrolling beat-em-up games, that combination alienated a lot of people. And never mind the fact that this the comic this was based on was one of the best-selling indie comics in print at the time, the keyword there being indie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it's a very, very, it's, it's kind of a very, very small Venn diagram of exact people for the audience for this movie. 
but it's still a wonderful spectacle, I think, um, nonetheless. Uh, more than any actual story depth, I will say there is some to be found if you go digging. But the spectacle of the film is definitely more the point. I will put this film on a pedestal with things like um, Edge of Tomorrow as great examples of the fun that you can have in film when you combine tropes from video games into other media. So in this movie, you have things like uh, the boss rush. You have extra lives. You have coins and other things as power-ups. Um, Edgar Wright and the style beats that he perfected with movies like Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead is just way too perfect for this sort of highly stylized comic book world in motion. And I absolutely love his visual flair with this material. Um, on top of that, this is a movie that I come back to out of enjoyment of the music, uh, which I believe most of the Sex Bomb songs were done by Beck. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's oh, kind of kind of giving his his weird uh, folkish alterna rock sound to this indie indie threesome from Toronto. Mm. Um, and I really do enjoy this cast, Michael Sarah included. Uh, everyone on this film is very clearly having the absolute time of their life being this ridiculous, this sincerely. And that's something that I glom onto so much whenever I'm watching a movie. Mm. Um, maybe if it was a series, instead of just a single film, the story could have addressed sort of the the longer term needed for a proper re- resolution for a lot of these characters. Very obvious flaws. But <laughs> with the the final thing, like the, the power of self-respect taken as just another joke in the line of a very silly movie um i feel like i can ride with it all the same um this movie is one that consistently makes me laugh to this day and then makes me want to spend several hours afterward with like streets of rage or river city girls to keep up the punchy punch fun going for a little bit longer yeah that's and i realized i forgot to do my homework finish my homework (laughs) and write my final thoughts but i can i can give a a few quick go for it so i mean i because i i think that both Riss and Brian made points that that I that I would bring up, but I I enjoyed revisiting this movie because I definitely forgot parts of it, including how many oh it's that person moments there were in it, which just oh makes it so fun. It's like spot that person that we have talked about in this show already. So it so that element of it was cool, and honestly, just to watch a movie where you hate the character so much but still love the movie. <laughs> I mean, all the credit to the filmmaking team for this and to the actors for pulling <laughs> off something that is remarkably fun to watch while you're just cringing and wanting the worst for the protagonist. <laughs> so again, fun and one that I may use as a what not to do lesson for my children one day. So I will definitely watch this again. And now I have to watch it with the numerology <laughs> shit that we've learned. So yeah. Yeah. The the yeah. retroactive recognition thing is is not wrong. I I think literally half of this cast either goes on to or was coming from a career as a superhero. Yeah, it's a lot. You got mm-hmm. Superman, Captain America, Captain Marvel, um, the Punisher, Tom Jane. Can't forget him. Mm-hmm. Nikki Swango, <laughs> <laughs> the hero she, of your heart. She would go on. She would go on to be um, yeah, Huntress. Uh, Helena Bertinelli is her character in the Birds of Prey movie. Mm. Oh, that's right. I want to see that. I didn't write really any final thoughts because pretty much anything useful, Russ and Brian already said, but (laughs) I am very intrigued with the idea of maybe 
Bastard with... main character, fun slashy punch punch. Oh <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But like, what if what if they redid? Because they're they're doing reboots of fucking everything now. What yeah. if they made a series of this? Like that would be pretty cool, I think. Although the cast is so good for this, yeah. I don't know if you can recreate it. Fully. I don't know if you can. I I would be skeptical. I would there say might be, there might be some room to do that. I mean, you can even keep the movie cast. There might be some room to do this in animation. Ooh, um, that could be cool. I that's know because the, the style of that graphic novel is so cute. Like not just the, not just the style of the graphic novel, but uh, actually there's uh, Ubisoft was the was the company that published the official Scott Pilgrim the versus the world. The game. I was going to say, I thought there was an actual video game. There I was a video game. It. Yes. Um, and I can't, oh God, I can't remember the name of the, the gentleman who did most of the sprite work and animation for it. I just know he was the same guy who animated the Rumble McSkirmish character in an episode of Gravity Falls. Okay. <laughs> I will I will just say, if season five of Cobra Kai has taught me anything, it's that you can remake something and make it much better than its source material. Oh, Absolutely. Fair, fair point. Because yeah. season five made Murph and I go, hey, we should watch Karate Kids part two and three. Because <laughs> Chosen and Terry Silver are freaking awesome. Yeah. And then we watched those two movies and changed our minds again. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's worth it's worth knowing that Chosen grew up and Terry Silver was always a psycho. Yes. Although <laughs> the fir- like the first scene I saw him, all I could say was, God, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> I mean, what, what else can you say about a TV series that revisits the Cobra Kai philosophy and reveals it was always meant for evil? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were Nazis the whole time. <laughs> but but also just to be watching a show and realize it's my college classmate like that That's blew wild. my fucking mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that that made me so happy that I had to rewatch the entire series just to watch his scenes again. Oh. <laughs> See, my my only thought for watching most of the series is and this is admittedly for what sticks in my head other than just, you know, uh school-wide Havana gang brawl. Um, is just how wonderfully Ralph Macchio and Billy Zabka have aged. Yeah. yeah totally. They look fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of aging, Thomas Ian Griffiths? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just retired from acting. 14 years later, I still look this good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And Martin Cove as John Kreese will always be my favorite villain. Yeah, he I just feel like perfect. I just remember him in interviews. I want to be one of those people that goes up to you and say, I hated you in that movie. <laughs> I loved hating you in that movie. Yeah, I, I feel like we're going to have to do a Cobra Kai, like a full review of an episode at some point. I was Probably. just thinking that when the um, because the next season is the final season, right? So mm-hmm. I think we should make it a point to just feature it because why not? We all watch it. Yeah, if if anything is coded into nostalgia like this show, it's Cobra Kai. Yeah, we like I think we right. do, we have to do it. Yeah. All right. So there was a little addendum on this movie. Uh, <laughs> hey Natalie, what's your pick for our next episode that'll hopefully be in less than two months? <laughs> All right. So we're gonna we're gonna tackle workers' rights. Christian <laughs> Christian Bale singing. <gasps> <gasps> we're we're going. We're watching Newsies. Yes! Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at me! I'm the yep. king of New York. We, we are gonna watch the movie that Christian Bale will not talk about. No, <laughs> this is his oldest shame. Yeah. So we're, he we're might doing talk it. about it, but you're gonna hear we're about gonna it. Hear about it. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs>